You're listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joya. I'm the lead pastor here at the Pines, and I am so excited that you carved out 25, 35 minutes and change to study God's word with us. For those of you who are joining for the very first time, we are in the middle of a series on gratitude and thanksgiving. Last week, we focused heavily on giving thanks, moving beyond the feeling into uh, action. And today we're gonna kind of die, we're gonna switch and transition and talk about gratitude. Now these two words are very are linked together very closely, but they do have different expressions. And that's what we're gonna kind of dive into today. And so our flagship scripture is the one we opened up with last week. I'm gonna go ahead and start with that. First Thessalonians 5:18 says this, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How many of us have asked the question, what is the will of God for my life in this relationship, in this career move, um, in this venture? Well, the will of God in all circumstances is to be thankful. Now, an important distinction, it says, in everything, give thanks. It doesn't say, for everything, give thanks, okay? We encounter trials and tribulations. It's all, the warnings are all throughout Scripture. We don't thank God for those, but we can give God thanks in the midst of those things because our character is coming to the surface. Our faith is growing our patience is enduring, and so we are becoming the version of God that he penned in his book before we ever drew a breath. And so it's important to make that distinction. It doesn't mean that we deny our circumstances or what's coming against us. Rather, we are not defined by those things. And so today we're going to be focusing on gratitude, which I said, again, is, is very, is linked to thanksgiving, but it has a different expression. So let's go ahead and define that word before we go any further. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation, and re to return kindness. So I want to highlight two words in there. It's um, the readiness and to return kindness. So it's an action. Okay, so to be thankful is full of thanks. Gratitude is when we move beyond that and we begin to share our, the feelings that are going on in our heart, the feelings that are going on in our mind. Um, sometimes to get a better understanding of what something is, you can look at the opposite, uh, look at what it isn't. So the opposite of gratitude is complaining, right? So again, this is not just having these thoughts inside your head. It's actually opening your mouth and complaining. What is complaining? Well, it's defined like this. To express dissatisfaction or annoyance about something. And um, I believe that this is a blind spot for so many people. I think we are living at a level that is unprecedented 
in complaining. I think it's become a part of our culture. And I think we actually have, especially in the church, a very casual approach to it. Because it's part of the culture, it's just natural to complain and to gripe. It's, it's found its way into the church, and we've been a, a little bit casual with it. But the Bible has a lot to say. In fact, the other day I was reading in the book of Jude, and I came across this scripture. I wasn't even planning on sharing this, and I came across this, and all of a sudden I was like, whoa, is, is this really what this is saying? So I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. This is found in Jude um, 14 and 15. And it says this, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and all of the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. So ungodly, 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 executing judgment. What is so ungodly? Okay. When I first read this, I thought they were thinking about, you know, I was immediately, my mind went to like Hollywood and and all the big sins that we see in the world. And we're like, yeah, he's going to execute judgment on all these big sins. That's what the ungodly, 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 ungodly is talking about. But if you read the very next verse, and this is where I was like, no way. It says this verse 16. These are, talking about the ungodly, grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. I was expecting pornographers, uh, murderers, uh, thieves, adulterers, and here, ungodly, it mentions it four times, is attached to grumbling. And malcontent. Now, those are two words we don't use very often. No one really points somebody out and says, oh, you're a grumbler, you're a malcontent, okay? But you can break those words down into complaining, complainers. That's what another, a modern day vernacular, we would say Karens, okay? So God is using this language in the book of Jude to define the ungodly. You'll know them when you see them because they are complainers. They can't even help. It is their language. It is their whole heart posture. And they're going to be judged because of their lack of gratitude. So perhaps complaining is more of an egregious sin than some of the ones we would just label and throw up there at the very top because why it shows the content and intent of your heart. Well, you say, hey, you know what? Book of Jude, it's like one chapter. That's some obscure book, poetic. It, you know, it doesn't really, you're, you're taking it out of context. Well, let's look at some other scriptures because the Bible has a ton to say about this. And I'm, I'm stopping short. I could take the rest of the time and just read scriptures on complaining alone. But I'm gonna highlight, I think, five scriptures here. So just hear this. Philippians 2, 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Some things, most things, no, all things. John 6, 43, these are Jesus's words. Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble amongst yourselves. 
Numbers 14, 27. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, evil congregation, ungodly, who are grumbling against me? I've heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, of Israel which they're making against me. So this, this lets us in, this scripture right here. Okay, we heard Jesus' words. God's, God's saying, when you complain, you're complaining against me. See, God hates complaining. Cannot stand it. Why? Because it's essentially communicating this. I don't like the way that you are doing things. And quite frankly, if I were you, I would be doing them a lot differently. So the creation is looking at the creator and saying, you know what, I don't really like the way that you're doing things. And if I were you, I would do things a whole lot different, okay? Again, we talk about lordship. We talk about submitting ourselves to the Lord. He is our king, and no one would talk to their king like that. And we become casual in complaining about the circumstances, the calling, the destiny that God has placed on us, the people that God has placed us, the job that he has led us to, the church that he has led us to, the pastor he has given us, the wife he has given us, the children he's given us, and all we do, it's, it's never-ending. The president he's giving us, yes, you should feel some conviction when I'm bringing these words. You know, in our house, um, we learned this very early on. We treat complaining as one of the worst things our children can do because we don't want to allow that to grow. Things only grow if you feed them, if you don't cut them off at the bud. So as our children are young, if they go, uh, I don't like, immediately they know that they are going to be punished for that. I'd rather have the kids get in a fight and I'm just, this is just me, okay? Parenting, Matt, Joya, I'm not putting this on you, but I'm just saying that we treat that, Jess and I, very firmly in our house because we don't want their hearts to be corrupted in complaining and griping about everything that they have to do and everything that they have to be a part of. And we nip it in the bud. You know, sometimes, look, brothers and sisters, kids, they'll be like, oh, I can't stand and my younger brother, and we stop it immediately. We sit them down. Do you understand that God knew exactly who you were going to need to live alongside you in your life on this journey? He knit your brother together in his mother's womb. He is your best friend. He will always be there for you. And so we just... We, we instill this in our children. And look, they don't, look, they're kids sometimes. They don't get it immediately. But I'm going to continue to preach this to them so that they learn to esteem and to value, to be grateful for their brothers and sisters, for their parents, for their friends, for their church, for their country, for their government, for their school, so that they have a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving, not complaining when things don't go the way they think they should go. I was reading in Psychology Today that complaining even affects things in the natural. So we were talking about the spiritual implications, but it actually affects our natural bodies, okay? This is directly out of Psychology Today. Plasticity is a term used in neurology to explain how we learn new things via communication between neurons, okay? Brain talk. When you learn something new, such as a, a language, there are new pathways, okay, of communication that begin developing inside of the brain, 
The more you practice these, the more efficient those pathways of communication be become so that the new skill eventually becomes automatic. This conserves energy in your brain. In other words, the more you, let's say I'm learning Spanish, the more I engage in, in speaking Spanish, the easier it is for me to come. So when I see something, I don't have to, I don't know Spanish, but when I see something, I don't have to think, okay, what is chair in Spanish? It just automatically appears because I'm engaged with it. It's become, so my neuro pathways have opened up a highway because I'm using and I'm practicing this. So then I can speak English fluently. I can speak Spanish fluently because I have open pathways. But here's the danger. The more you complain, the more efficient your brain becomes uh, at opening these highways and complaining becomes automatic. Just like when I see that chair, I just automatically respond. I wish I knew what chair was in Spanish. I should have looked it up. What a <laughs> anyway, I just automatically say it. Well, when you find yourself in a situation, your knee-jerk reaction or your response is just to complain because you've opened up these neuro pathways. Also, complaining has a direct link to anxiety, to depression, and studies have even shown that people that struggle with complaining or have a lifestyle of complaining, it increases your chances by almost 50% of developing dementia later in life. So complaining destroys your mind, it destroys your physical body, and it destroys your soul. Listen to what Philippians 2.14 uh, says. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that you become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. How do we shine? by doing the opposite, by being the opposite of complainers. And what is the opposite of complaining? We, we shared it at the beginning of the message, gratitude. It is our holy response to complaining, is to have gratitude and to express gratitude. I came across this quote and I couldn't find the author, but it's so good. Listen to this, gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. So we live a full life when we give thanks, thankful, to express gratitude. It turns what we have into enough and even more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos into order, confusion into clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. All of those are examples are a matter of perspective. You know, chaos and denial and all these, the, the confusion. All those words are attributed to anxiety and depression. And all of those things come from complaining and not taking the time to be grateful for what you have in this life. So gratitude is a way of making sense 
of the world. Again, I'm not talking about being a masochist. Are you saying that, you know, if I'm getting beat up? I'm not saying that. We're not denying circumstances. We're just not defined by them. We're choosing to see the good in the midst of what may be a struggle at the moment, but again, is enlarging our capacity, is building and developing character, is building patience so that we can become who God intended us to be. Psalm 103, 2 says this, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. So praise is giving God thanks. It's expressing gratitude. It's a way when we praise in worship of saying everything else is on pause. I'm going to thank God in the midst of the storm. I'm going to give God my gratitude, my praise, because he is worthy. And it goes on to say, may I never forget the good things he has done for me. We are prone to forget things. It's, you know, it, it amazes me how quickly we forget the things that God has uh, delivered to us. How many times we prayed for one thing, God was faithful and came through on that thing, and then we forget it. And so the Bible is instructing us, don't forget these things. See, we can't be grateful without being mindful okay, of the many benefits we enjoy in life and the consciousness of rich blessing that we've been given. Grateful people take time out of their day to remember and to rejoice. So you have to take time to think. You have to pause to remember, to give God praise, to give God thanks for the things that he has done. When we take time to rejoice, we literally experience repeated joy through remembering the goodness, the grace, and the mercy of God. So there's that word, remember. Jean Baptiste Massu, um, I came across this quote, I, I, and, and it, was, it just struck me. And I want you to hear this. Gratitude is the memory of the heart. So in our mind, we keep, you know, a lot of times we keep an inventory of all the things that have been done against us and even random thoughts, but like our heart remembers things. And instead of remembering all the hurt and the pain, like let's remember the good things. Let's remember the things that, you know, um, we've had the opportunity to be able to experience, but that word remember, we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional to think. We have to be intentional. Sometimes I worry, I'm concerned that we're in such a hurry and we have put so many things out on our calendar that we don't take time to just think and to meditate and to, and to take inventory of all the good things God has given us to, to rejoice for those things. It doesn't matter, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company or the barista busting their hump through college, you know, nobody has any time. And I almost wonder if that's the enemy's plan to get us, to, to, to rock us off of our position of having grateful hearts. To express gratitude is to share in the divine nature of God. Genesis 131. 
Okay, I'll give you a little context. This is after the sixth day. So God created everything. This is after the sixth day he had created man. And now he's stopping. He's pausing on the sixth day. God, okay, instead of going through this huge checklist, okay, I got to do the next thing. I got to go through the next thing. And it says this, then God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was very good. So God himself in creating the universe, the sun, the moon, the stars, the creeping things, the earth, the water, everything, man, he pauses and he looks and his heart is just filled with this gratitude and he just takes it in and he sees that what he has made is very, very good. And we were created in his image and likeness. And I wonder when was the last time that we paused and we took a look at our work for our career and admired it? When was the last time that we looked at our parenting or our children and the growth that they're taking place and just admired it? When was the last time that we looked at our spouse and all the growth has taken place in their life and the richness and the fullness of our relationship going to new levels and just paused and said, I am so in love with you. When was the last time that we looked and said, it is very good? See, Psalm 10, 22 says this, let us thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men, and let us offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. So to tell, we are to share the love, the expression of the gratitude of our heart, the memory of our heart with others. But I, I, I honed in on this, on this word, sacrifice of thanksgiving, which means sometimes you're not going to feel like it. Sometimes you're not going to feel like pausing and recounting um, the memory of your heart, <laughs> or you're not going to feel like giving thanks. You're not going to feel like rejoicing because maybe what you're going through at the current time is difficult. But again, we don't live by feelings, but rather by truth. And so the psalmist is telling us that, yeah, you know what? It, don't wait for the feeling. It may be a sacrifice of praise. It may be a sacrifice of thanksgiving, but if you're willing to draw that line in the sand and say, I'm dedicating this time to remembering, to rejoicing and giving God thanks, you will change your atmosphere. You will change your perspective. The Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's moving beyond a feeling into an action. Let us rejoice. Let us be grateful. Let us give thanks for this day and throughout this day. I love that it says rejoice in the day, the day that God has given you to recognize that each and every single day is a gift from our creator. And not only to awaken that day and to give God thanks, but to rejoice for the days that you had previous and then to bring that joy 
into the day and throughout the day. And when we give God thanks, we focused on this last week, it magnifies God. In other words, it shows the faithfulness, the provision, and the goodness of God to others whose hearts and eyes are darkened. And it sticks out to them. You shine amongst them like stars. How do you shine? How do you magnify? By giving God thanks. Let me close with this, okay? Colossians 2, 6 through 8. As therefore you have received Christ Jesus as your Lord, so live in him. We live in Christ, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So here, we are being told that we should abound in thanksgiving, in recognizing that we are in Christ. What does that word abound mean? We don't use it very often. I did the work of looking it up for you, and this is what it means, to exist in large numbers or amounts. In other words, when someone looks at you, they know that this is a person that is grateful, this is a person that is going to give thanks. And when we abound in thanksgiving, we abound in life. Look at the opposite. If we abound in complaining, then we abound in the things that complaining attracts. Depression, anxiety, fear, worry, all of these things because we are attracting them with our words. But when we turn from that and we give God thanks, we magnify him on this earth and we shine like stars and then we abound in this life, in all arenas, in all spheres of life. But it all starts with giving God thanks. If For those of you that didn't listen last week, I gave the example of when Jesus was preaching to the multitude and they didn't have enough to eat and he told the disciples would gather up all the food and all they had was a few fish and a few loaves, not nearly enough to feed 15,000 people and the disciples were complaining and murmuring, there's no way that this is going to be enough. But when they put it in Jesus's hands, what did he do? He gave God thanks. In all things, and as a result of abounding in thanksgiving, they abounded in provision. Please hear me if you hear nothing else. When we abound in gratitude, in thanksgiving, we will abound in life. I'm going to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice. And I am praying that the word has penetrated their hearts. I pray that they would be able to take an honest assessment of themselves and that the Holy Spirit would highlight areas where they've gotten a little casual, a little too loose, a little too comfortable in complaining. Maybe it's about their boss. Maybe it's about work. Maybe it's about their spouse. Whatever it is, Lord, you know, just between you and them. 
and that you would help them uproot those things and rewire the pathways of their mind instead of leading to complaining, depression, anxiety, worry, and fear, that they would reroute those pathways towards thanksgiving, towards gratitude, that they would take time in their day to remember and to rejoice for all those things that that you have done for them. But most importantly, for who you are, that we are now hidden in you, God, and that you would give them a fresh revelation of that. And as they abound in thanksgiving, in gratitude, that they would abound in life. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory because you are so worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for spending the last 25 minutes and change with us. I think I went 30 minutes. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.